Well, you guys can't cheat today. Glory to God, because, amen, because WAPA is messing with our screen, so, amen. Generator's on, WAPA's on, generator's on, WAPA's on. Thank God we got a generator. Amen. Somebody better think, thank God we got a generator. Because <laughs> you don't want to be in the dark in here. <laughs> we have no windows. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen, so get out your B-I-B-L-E. Come on, wave it in the air. They're looking kind of slim. They're looking kind of slim. See, I done got spoiled. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. What we're doing, we're sealing the deal regarding the blessing. Amen. To seal the deal and walk in what God has in store for us. Come on, say amen, somebody. Because God has a lot in store for us for 2018. Amen. We're almost a quarter away going. Right, come on, say amen. And Bishop Butler mentioned it, and that was an excellent message he gave. Amen. Lord, God, it flowed right into what we were, we were talking about when we were talking about the walk, walking in the royal law of the kingdom. Walk in the royal law of the kingdom. Turn once again to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. Where it says, charity never faileth. Charity, which we know is love, love never fails. Come on, say it with me. Love never fails. And to walk in the blessing that we've been talking about for the last three or four months, everything must hang on love, folks. Go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. That was the master at hand, boy. He was, he was working those scriptures, boy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Anybody get the tape? You get the CD? Amen. You need to listen to that over and over and over and over again. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision avail of anything nor uncircumcision, but faith, which what? Which worketh by what? Love. See, the faith that connects us to the blessing worketh by what? Love. By what? Love. But we also know that the fear that disconnects us from the blessing is cast out by love. Amen. Let me say it again. The faith that connects us to the blessing worketh by what? Love. But we also know the fear that disconnects us from the blessing is cast out by what? Love. By what? Love. By love. Turn to 1 John chapter 2, verse 10. Hope you have your Bible turning finger or your Bible pushing finger. <laughs> or Bible sliding finger on your iPad. Come on, say amen, somebody. 1 John chapter 2, verse 10. Or your telephone. 1 John chapter 2, verse 10. Notice it says, he that what? Love of his brother does what? Abideth in the light. And listen, it says, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. He says there is not one occasion where you will stumble if you walk in love. Somebody say, not one. Not one. So if you're stumbling, you got a problem. Okay, let me keep going. It says, verse 11, but he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness 
and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that darkness has what? Blinded his eyes. See, walking in love keeps us where? In the brightness of the blessing, folks. And out of the darkness of the curse. Turn to Matthew 22, 37 quickly. We're doing a quick review of what we went over the last time we were talking together. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. It's a real quick review, too. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Here Jesus said unto them, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt what? Love the Lord thy God with what? All thy heart and with all thy soul and all thy what? Mind. He said, this is the what? First and what? Great commandment. And he said, the second is like unto it, thou shalt what? Love thy neighbor as thyself. Then in verse 40 it says, on these two. Somebody say these two. On these two commandments. Somebody say commandments. In other words, this is something he commands you to do. On these two commandments hang all the what? Law and the prophets. Everything in your life, everything concerning how blessed you truly are, hangs on these two what? Commandments. What are the two commandments? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and thou shalt love thy neighbor. Tell your neighbor, I love you. Amen. Don't fake it. <laughs> See, everything hangs on those two laws. However, so many times we fail the second one. And then we expect to walk in the blessings. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, walking in love, we see here, is not just a good idea. And it's not just a suggestion, folks. Come on, say amen, somebody. Love is a what? Commandment of God. Because why? Love is the law. Somebody say the law. Love is a law that governs the operation of the blessing. Without the love, you have no blessing, folks. Go to Galatians 5, 6. And once again, look, go back there again. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. And I don't care how many times we preach this to people. This is still a biggest issue in the body of Christ. Galatians 5, 6, once again. For in Christ, in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avail of anything nor uncircumcision, but what? Faith. Come on, say it again. But what? Faith, Faith which what? Worker by love. Notice the law of faith works right alongside of the law of love. Let me say it again. The law of faith works right alongside of the law of what? Love. And see, that is a practical, unalterable truth, folks. Come on, say amen, somebody. There's nothing religious or Aztec about it. Faith works by love like a car works by gasoline. No gas, no go. No love, no faith. No faith, no receiving. Let me say that one more time. No gas, no go. Come on, no love. No faith. No faith, no receiving. See, like the law of gravity, faith worker by love is an irrefutable spiritual law. To your neighbor, it's a spiritual law. And see, love is the law of the spirit of life. 
Go with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Look at what it says. Love is the law of the spirit of life. Somebody say love. love. Romans chapter 8, verse 2. For it says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It says the law of the what? Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the what? Law of sin and death. Now the reason love and life are so closely connected is because God, the author and a generator of life is who? Is love. Somebody say he's love. And go to 1 St. John chapter 1 verse 1. Because we rephrase St. John chapter 1, verse 1, and we, and we put love in there. Amen. Glory to God. When we put it, we're, we're saying what? God. That says in John chapter 1, verse 1, once again, the reason love and life are so closely connected is because God, the author and a generation of life, is love. So when we rephrase this, this verse in John chapter 1 through 3, we said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with love. Amen. Say it again. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with love, and the word was love. Amen. The same was in the beginning with love. All things were made by love, and without love was not anything made that was what made. In other words, Every cell of your physical body, every molecule in this physical material universe, every handful of dirt, every bird that flies, every fish in the sea, in the sea itself, they were all made by love's hand. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Love created you. Let me say it one more time. Love created you. Love breathed life into you. Therefore, everything that is contrary to love goes against your very substance. Let me say that again. Everything that's contrary to love goes against your what? Your very substance. Because why? You were created by what? Love. Every word. Somebody say every word. Say every word again. Every word one more time. I need y'all to get this because not every word is nice sometimes. Every word. Every word of disharmony violates the way you were made. Unloving words. Unloving thoughts. You know, ones we don't hear, but it shows on your face. Come on, say amen, somebody. Unloving actions. Do violence to the very nerve cells in your physical body. But you still feel that you can do anything you want to do and stay in strife with somebody in unforgiveness and not realizing you're not doing anything but destroying you. And the devil's sitting back there laughing at you because why? He said, I ain't got to do nothing. Let them do it on their own. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Turn to Proverbs 14, 30, because it tells you this right here. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. Proverbs chapter 14, 
verse 30. What's he say here? A sound heart is the life of flesh. But envy is the what? Rottenness of the what? Bones. See, now you can see why Jesus said that love is the greatest commandment. No wonder he made it a commandment to love the Lord thy God with all thy what? All thy heart, all thy soul, all your mind, all your strength, on your neighbor as yourself. Because why? Because it affects you physically, folks. When we strive and fuss with others and one another, come on, say amen, somebody. We become our own worst enemy. We actually begin to self-destruct. Hallelujah. Come on. But when we walk in love, what happens? We not only bless others, we end up edifying ourselves. Go to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 8. That's what it says. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 8. What's he say here? Ephesians 6 8. Give you time to get there. Glory to God. He says, knowing that Whatsoever what? Good thing any man doeth. Somebody say the same. The same shall he what? Receive of who? Of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. In other words, every act of love, every word of kindness, every loving gesture enlivens us, folks. Matter of fact, the cells in our bodies respond to it. Our minds respond to it. Our spirits expand on the inside of us, strengthening and preparing us to walk in the anointing we were born to carry. Come on, I will be out here. But when we take a step, side, step outside of love, we step out into darkness. And that's where the curse is, folks. And it's not where, it's not where we as believers belong. We belong in the light. Tell your neighbor, we belong in the light. Why? Because we were born of light because we are born of God. Anybody born of God in this room? And just as God is love, God is light. And we're supposed to walk as children of the light. Amen? But once again, I'm not saying we never have reason to violate the commandment of love. Because you know, living in this world, we have plenty of reasons to go off on somebody. But the thing is, we must either fix the reason or ignore them. Because why? Jesus said if we love him, come on, we're going to obey his command. Because it's not a suggestion. It's a what? It's a command. Tell your neighbor, it's a command. That means when your little feelings get hurt and you're tempted to walk out of love or step out of love, you must tell your flesh, not today. <laughs> Come on, not today. That's not, I'm, I'm not going there today. You got to tell your mind what to think. And you got to tell your mouth what to say. Stop letting it go like a loose cannon. Otherwise, we'll end up giving someone a piece of our mind. We barely have in the first place. Come on, say amen, somebody. And we'll give up 
will give up our place in the overflowing blessing of God. Because why? We cannot operate in strife and in the blessing at the same time. You hear what I just said? We cannot operate in strife and the blessing at the same time. And see, that in and of itself should be reason enough to run from strife. I mean, you run from that thing just like it was a snake in your house. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. See, we ought to, we ought to kill strife before it ever gets started. Because why? To tell you the truth, it's not worth it, folks. The blessing is too high of a price to pay. Come on, say amen, somebody. And understand this. Even we as ministers of the gospel, we have to be careful not to yield to strife. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. See, it can happen to ministers of the gospel because why? We become spiritually weak. And see, what a preacher will do, a preacher will preach, 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 preach without taking the time to feed their own spirit with the word. Oh, are y'all with me out here? And what they do is they try to survive spiritually just on what God was giving them to minister. And as a result, they can become irritable to the point that everything that comes out of their mouth is harsh. Okay, I'm talking to you school ministry students. And see, that can happen to you also, folks, where you're always snappy. No, none of y'all snap in here. I know I got the best group in all of St. Thomas right here. Y'all will never snap at anybody. You know I'm speaking by faith, right? <laughs> I'm speaking those things that denied us though they were. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Where you always snapping? Come on, you're quick to snap when asked a question. Or, you, or something, you don't, something you don't like, you're quick to snap at somebody. And listen, every time you get into strife, what it does, it actually slugs your nervous system. This is a medically proven fact, folks. What you need to do, you need to get a copy of Don Colbert's book on deadly emotions. Amen? Deadly emotions. When we were first introduced to that book, Amen. Bishop had all, he, he sent a copy to all the pastors. Sent a copy to all the pastors. And one of the reasons he sent a copy to all the pastors, that we, we had a pastor, a great friend of ours. He's the one that helped us start the church down here. His name was Pastor Gill. Amen. And he is a wonderful guy. A lot of things I learned, I learned from him. But he, he went home to be with the Lord early. And all like people do and congregation do, they wonder what happened. This is a man of faith. I don't know about you. I used to see him jump. Remember, he used to jump off the podium. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ron. Amen. But we couldn't understand what happened. Amen. He was a man of faith. But why did he die? And Bishop sent us that book. That book. Amen. What had happened years back, glory to God, he lost his wife. Someone killed his wife. But that emotion was never released. Come on, say amen, somebody. And once you keep that deadly emotion, what happened was it was the emotion that got him, if anything else. 
And Bishop sends a book called Deadly Emotions. Because your emotions, understand this. See, strife, anger, anxiety, and other such emotions cause chemical reactions that over time are deadly. Somebody say over time. Why? Because the human body is a veritable chemistry plant. And any form of strife sends shock waves through it. See, the body's chemistry can get so out of balance, it messes up the brain. Come on, are y'all listening to me out here? And when that happens, our perspective becomes skewed and resulting in us having wrong thinking. And then, of course, you got the devil. The devil's going to take advantage of that situation. And the first thing you know, there's a demonic spirit following you. All around, all the time, spewing negative garbage in your mind. Why? Because your brain is compromised. And that garbage actually makes sense to you. Let me say it again. That garbage actually makes sense to you. And if you don't run to the word and get yourself straightened out, you'll start believing that, devil, that devilish junk. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. And that's why Christians slip into depression and other disorders of the mind. But the question is, how do I stop reacting to strife? The answer is, stop practicing anger. Let me say it again. Stop practicing anger. Tell your neighbor, stop practicing anger. Tell them again, stop practicing anger. What do you mean, Pastor? Think about it. Think about the things you get angry over. You get angry when your car don't start. What's wrong with you? I got to go to work. Come on, say amen, somebody. You get angry when somebody cuts you off. You get angry when the light doesn't turn fast enough. Turn, light. Turn. Come on, say amen, somebody. You get angry when somebody accidentally bumps into you, and Lord knows you get angry when they step on your brand new shoes. Oh, come on. Hey, man. What I want you to do is start noticing the things you get angry over. Uh, let me say it again. Start noticing. Tell your neighbor, start noticing the things you get angry over, especially husband and wives. You know, I didn't get no amens from my husband and wife. <laughs> I didn't get a peep. <laughs> See, the question is, what's happening each time you get angry? See, when you get angry that much, you keep getting angry. You get angry over the small things. You're practicing anger so much that it is present with you all the time. 
Matter of fact, it goes into operation before you can even stop it. So what you got to do, you got to start reversing it. Begin to practice love all the time. Let me say that again. Begin to what? Practice love all the time. Bring the consciousness of love to the point where it's ever present and ready to be released. Practice it. And think about it continually. Somebody say continually. Because why? When you do this, you'll find life will start getting good. It'll start getting sweet. Come on, say amen, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why? See, when you're practicing the law of the love of God, say it again, when you're practicing the love of God, you'll get to where you won't even notice the bad stuff going on around you. I said, when you're practicing. When you're practicing. Tell your neighbor, when you're practicing. Come on, your husband will yell at you, and you won't even, it won't even phase you. Oh, Lord, that's a hard one. Dude. <laughs> Come on, amen. She'll do something crazy, and you won't even phase you. You, know, you won't have to snap back. I said nothing about the brothers. Amen. Glory to God. What you do, you just plow it underfoot and keep on going. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, you have to learn what to do when people say ugly things about you. Has anybody ever said any ugly things about you? You got to learn what to do, especially when it comes to social media today. Or someone will text you with some ugly stuff about you. Here's the key, folks. Don't read it. Stop reading things that are against you. If you know they're talking to you, just click it off. Amen. Delete it before you read it. Yeah. Sounds kind of sweet, doesn't it? Delete it before you read it. Tell your delete it before you read it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Stop reading it, folks. See, you have a book in your hand or on your phone. Amen? That all you need to know is in the book, folks. You carry it with you everywhere you go. When someone says something ugly, just look in the book and find something good about you. Are you with me out here? If you keep doing that, you'll get to the place where you don't care what people say. Come on. You can stand and smile at people while they're talking negative things right to your face. Oh, Lord. No, that's a hard one for some of y'all. Instead of listening to them, you can think, bless God. Bless their heart. If they only knew the way God loves me. If they only knew how God knows me, they would love me too. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. Go to Luke chapter 6, verse 27. Now, am I saying you should be ignoring your enemies? No, I didn't say ignore your enemies. Glory to God. You don't ignore them. What do you do? You love them. Because that's what Jesus told us to do. You what? You what? You what? 
love them. Go to Luke 6, 27. A lot of people don't like to read these, these passages right here. <laughs> I mean, people, you know, they, so much, some people just cringe in their chair when they read this. Look what it says here, verse 27. But I say unto you, which hear. Anybody hearing in here? Anybody listening? It says, love your enemies. Say law. Pause and think about that. Do good to them which hate you. Say law. Pause and think about that person that hates you right now. When's the last time you bought them something? When's the last time you gave them a card? When's the last time you bought them some flowers? When's the last time you paid for their meal? Do good is not just saying something. Doing good is doing something good. See, I told you, they start squirming and faces start scrunching. <laughs> Bless them that what? Curse you. What? They just cussed me out, called me every name in the book, and you want me to bless them? Pray for them that despitefully use you. Lord, you know they just dogging me out. He said, what? Pray for them. And then it says, verse 29, and unto him that smite thee on one of the cheek, <laughs> offer also the other. <laughs> and to him that take away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give every man that asks of thee, of him that take away thy goods, ask them not again. Oh, Lord. And as you would that men should do to you, do you what? Also to them likewise, treat people the way you want to be treated. If you don't want people to snap at you, don't you snap at them. If you want people to treat you with dignity, make sure you're treating them with dignity. Come on, say amen, somebody. If you want people to talk to you like they have some sense, make sure when you talk, you talk like you have some sense. See, people having their thinking well, I'm going to treat them like they treat me. Come on, say amen, somebody. I'm only going to treat them nice if they treat me nice. And tell your neighbor, that's not God. That's not what Jesus is telling you to do. And he talks about that in the next verse. He says, for if you love them which love you, it's easy to love somebody that's loving you. Come on, that's, not, that's a no-brainer, folks. Come on. He says, for sinners also love those that love them. He says, you're no different than a sinner. Verse 33, and if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do the same. For you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much gain, much, much again. He says, verse 35, love your enemies and do good and lend. Ooh, boy, my money. And lend. <laughs> And lend, wait, wait, hope. Somebody say, hope. I can't even say it. Hope. <laughs> Hoping for nothing again. Some of you right now, if you see somebody owe you some money, they walk across the street because they don't want to see your face. Because you give them that look. And don't let them be in a store shopping. And they owe you some money. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it says, 
hoping for what? Nothing again. For your reward, for your reward shall be what? Great. And you shall be what? Children of the highest. For he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Did you hear what Jesus just said? He said it doesn't matter what that person does. He's still kind to them even when they, when they don't appreciate what he's done for them. He's still kind to the evil even when their evilness is directed towards him. Because why? He is love, folks. And he can only act or react out of love. Even when it comes to judgment, judgment is still demonstrating the character of love. Because what's he doing? He's giving them an opportunity to recognize what brought on the judgment and then turn from their wicked ways. Come on, say amen, somebody. And the purpose is to get them to come back to him. Look at verse 36. He says, be you therefore what? Merciful. Be who? Be you therefore merciful as your father also is what? Merciful. Act the way your father would act in that situation. React the way your father would react in that situation. See, according to this passage, there are only two ways to think about our enemies. We'll either love them or hate them. We'll either do good, come on, or try to retaliate. Come on, are you with me out here? And see, we can be wishy-washy about it. Come on. Amen. We can, we can, listen, we can't just get up in the morning and say, well, I'm going to try my best to be nice to everybody today. You won't make it to noon before you go off on somebody with that attitude. Come on, say amen, somebody. You'll cuss somebody out on the way to work. See, what we got to do, we have to make a firm commitment to walk in love no matter what. Because why? That's what God commands. Okay, I know. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Backing up that commitment must be the assurance that God is my source. God is my provider. God is my protector. Come on, say amen, somebody. He is our blesser. And his blessing will turn our situations to our good. Come on, are you with me out here? And see, once we set our faith firmly on the fact that the blessing has to come through us through Christ Jesus and it's our source, it won't make any difference to us what our enemies do to us. When they say something mean or come against us in some way, we will refuse to retaliate. We will refuse to retaliate because why? We'll be ever aware of the fact that the blessing is more important than revenge. Come on. We'll say to ourselves, they can't hurt me unless I'm willing to go, let go of my blessing. And I am not about to do that. Come on, say amen, somebody. I'm going to keep the commandment of love. I'm not going to get into the cursing business with them. I'm just going to rest in the fact that what God has blessed can no one curse. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, when you, have, when you take that attitude, somebody tell you, when you take that attitude, you begin to realize it's not a big deal. If a thief steals your coat or your goods. Why? 
The blessing will replace whatever he steals. So when somebody steals something from you, just count it as a seed of equal benefit. Did you hear what I just said? And what's more, in the eyes of God, listen to me now, in the eyes of God, that thief is of great value than the coats and the goods. Let me explain. See, God has his heart set on that thief, folks. He loves him, and God wants to save that thief. But he has no connection with him. That's why it's so vital to God that you love that thief. Why? Because you're God's connection to the thief. Oh, come on. See, you're not seeing it from God's perspective if you're thinking, how do I protect my, what I have? I know what I do. If he steals something from me, I'll just hire a good lawyer, sue him, and get it back. You're not thinking the way God thinks. See, God sees you. Tell your neighbor, God sees you. God sees you as his connection to the person who's been talking ugly about you. Come on. You're his connection to that man or woman. You're his connection to those people who have been trying to pick a fight with you and get you in the strife. That's why in this verse Jesus used the phrase, what thank have you? He wanted us to know that when we open the door of God's love to such people like that, when we pray for them and we bless them, God says to you, thank you. Okay, I, I, that means not, not, not many people are doing it because I didn't get a lot of amens. <laughs> Hallelujah. God's saying, I've been trying to reach those people. I've been trying to reveal my love to that man. His mama has been praying for him. And God's saying, I want you to know, I really appreciate your attitude. Because when he tried to steal your coat, and you gave him a nice pair of shoes to match. <laughs> God says, see, that opened the door for me to move on his heart. And God says, thank you. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, God's expression of appreciation doesn't start with just a pat on the back. For it. it doesn't stop there. Jesus went on to tell us, look at Luke 6, 37. Jesus went on to tell us that if we would walk in that kind of love, if we would walk in that kind of love, the rewards of it would absolutely overflow in our lives. He said in Luke 6, 37, judge not and you shall not be what? Judge, condemn not and you shall not be what? Condemn, forgive and you shall what? Be forgiven. And see, we use this next verse for offering, but the real context is walking in love. Walking in love. He says, give. Give what? What Jesus just finished talking about. When you give love, it should be what? Given unto you how? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom for the same measure that you meet, whether it shall be what? Measure to you again. See, when you really get a revelation of this, when you really get a revelation of this, you have a time, you have the time of your life. Loving people who used to aggravate you to no end. Oh, come on. Come on, you'll start praying for. 
and blessing that person who cuts in front of you instead of you griping about it. Come on, say you cussing them out and they can't even hear you. <laughs> all they see is you doing all this and your mouth moving. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, practice this. Forgive everyone before you even walk out the door in the morning. Come on. When the time comes, when they do something wrong or you do something wrong, and because you did something little, what you thought was little wrong, and they go off on you, just calmly say, will you please forgive me? I didn't mean to get you upset. And if they keep fussing anyway, just say, please forgive me, I apologize. I hope this ain't going in one ear out the other, because I know y'all just... Don't even look at their faces. Just look at the wall. I'm talking to the exercise. Amen. Amen. I forgive you. And I love you with the love of the Lord. And guess what? God loves you too. And see, what happened is, you'll be able to leave that situation praising God with your blessing still intact. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. Why? Because you sowed, come on, because you sowed the seed of God's love and forgiveness into the life of that person, folks. And see, as you're thanking God, God's saying, I thank you also for showing them my character of love. That's how it's supposed to be, folks. Hallelujah. Oh, it got so quiet. Oh, it got so quiet. Lord, help them, Lord. Holy Ghost, help them, help them, help them, Holy Ghost. Now, when it comes to loving your enemy, one thing must be said. God's command of love doesn't mean he never calls Christians to go to war. Go to Romans 13, 2, because he does. He not only calls some believers to military service, he anoints them to be ministers of God. Romans 13, 2. He anoints to be ministers of God. Romans 13, 2 says, are you there? Whosoever there resists the power, resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive what? To themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. He said, wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Simply do that which is good. And thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be what? Be afraid. Come on, for he beareth not the what? They don't carry swords now. <laughs> he beareth not that gun in vain. For he is the what? He is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that what? do of evil. God anoints that person in the military to be a minister of God a minister of God for good folks. To be a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Come on are you with me out here. See God believes in war. Let me say it again. God believes in war. See there comes a time in the course of human events when hateful, ungodly 
murderous people oppress others to the point that local law enforcement can no longer handle it. And at those times, the Prince of Peace then becomes the man of war in order to put a stop to it. We'll go to Exodus 15.3 if you don't believe me. What's it say in Exodus chapter 15 verse 3? Come on, Genesis, Exodus, help you out. <laughs> Exodus chapter 15 verse 3. It says the Lord is a what? It says what? Man of war, the Lord is his name. He not only condones war under those conditions, he teaches people how to fight. Amen. Go to Psalms 141, 144, verse 1. Psalms 144, verse 1. He teaches people how to fight. Psalms 144, verse 1, it says, Blessed be who? The Lord, my strength. Which what? Which what? Teaches my hands to what? War and my fingers to fight. Who's doing the teaching? Who's doing the teaching? The Lord. See, those who conduct, who conduct war in the way that he says to do it will win every time. Think about it. Remember what happened to Chetel Omar? When he kidnapped Abraham's nephew, Abraham's nephew's lot. Come on, say amen, somebody. Abraham heard about it and came after him, right or wrong. What did he do? He gathered, the Bible says he gathered up 318 of his trained armed servants and he defeated Chet's massive mighty forces so completely that the Bible refers to it as a slaughter. Now we saw in chapter 5 that it was the blessing that taught Abraham's servants how to fight like that. It was a blessing in operation that taught them military tactics and strategies, folks. Come on. They had operational technology that Chad's army or mob didn't have because why? God himself taught them to war. But I thought the blessing was about love. It is. And guess what? Love Fights to protect its covenant partners. Let me say it again. Love fights to what? To protect its covenant partners. For example, the love of God in me would cause me to fight anyone who might try to hurt my wife. I would love them, but I would do whatever is necessary to protect her because I'm in covenant with her. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. I've made a promise before God to watch over her when I said I do. Come on, are you with me out there? See, God loves everybody. Matter of fact, he loves the terrorists as much as he does you and me. But he doesn't have a covenant with that terrorist. He's in covenant with us through the blood of Jesus, folks. And because of it, he's responsible for our protection. Come on, are you with me out here? If that terrorist, listen, if that terrorist would have accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, he could have enjoyed the same kind of covenant protection as I do. Come on, are you with me out here? Come on, he could, he could, he could have come into the family of God and even been my brother. 
Now, if he does, of course, he will stop acting the way he's been acting. Because why? he become a man of love instead of being a terrorist. Well, come on, are you with me out here? See, any believer who walks in God's military anointing, whether as a police officer, fireman, investigative officer, or a soldier, must learn how to, con how to conduct himself in combat and stay in love at the same time. Let me say it again. Any believer, talking about a believer now, who walks in God's military anointing, whether as a police officer, fireman, investigative officer, or a soldier, must learn how to conduct himself in combat and stay in love at the same time. See, those who go into combat and hate their enemy put themselves in a dangerous position because why? They are taking themselves out of the biblical exemption for killing. What? There can't be a biblical exemption for killing because the Bible says thou shalt not kill. It doesn't say that. If you read it in the Hebrew, it says thou shalt not murder. Go to Numbers 32 verse 20. It says thou shalt not what? Murder. Numbers 32, verse 20. Numbers 32, verse 20 says, And Moses said unto them, If you will do this thing, if you will go on before the Lord to what? To what? War. And will go all of you arm over Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out what? His enemies from before him. And the land be subdued before the Lord. Then afterward you shall what? Return again. Know what he says. And be what? Guiltless before the Lord and before Israel. And this land should be what? Your possession before the Lord. He's saying, listen, they are innocent of other men's blood that must be shed in battle if they're going to war under God's direction. Amen. Come on, are you following me out here? He is not responsible for it because he's acting as a servant of God. Now, if he begins to hate the enemy, however, he now takes himself out of that exemption. Why? He becomes a killer and not a protector. Somebody, are you following me out here? Say a Christian soldier should never do that. Come on, he must kill in times of war for only one reason. Because wickedness and violence has run rampant among men and it has to be stopped so people can live in peace. That's the only reason a Christian should be able to kill. And God will take care of a military men and women who are called to help with that task. Matter of fact, look at Psalms 91.7. Psalms 91.7. What's it say here? Psalms 91.7. says, A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall what? But it shall not what? It shall not come nigh thee. See, God's warriors, as well as those that serve under their authority, can walk in so much divine protection 
that 11,000 can fall at their feet and they'll never be harmed, folks. If they'll walk in love, they'll become an army that cannot be defeated. Are you lifting me out here? Now, getting back to the strife issue, go to Matthew 18, 15. See, to stay out of strife, and this is going to be another one, we must learn not only to deal with enemies in love when they come against us, but we must also learn to deal with our Christian brothers and sisters when they do us wrong. Because how many people know Christians can do you wrong? And when Christians do you wrong, it hurts a little bit more than a heathen doing you wrong because you expect that from a heathen. What you don't expect is from a Christian. Amen. This is a side note. A lot of times, the reason we get hurt from another Christian, because we put a high expectation on them. And when they don't meet that high expectation, it hurts us. But it was our fault for putting a high expectation. We expected them to act a certain way. That was my expectation of them, but that's not what they could meet. So I get all bent out of shape. Come on, say amen. Hurt, cry, why they do that to me? And it's my fault because I never should have put that high expectation on them. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. But we got to learn to deal with our Christian brothers and sisters when they do us wrong. If I had a show of hands of Christian, do you wrong, I think everybody's hand would raise in this, in this room right now. Am I right or wrong? Because somebody in the room, you've been done wrong by another Christian. And you'd be surprised because some people are baby Christians, they even drop out of church for it. Never come back to church. Not realizing they didn't come to church for that Christian. They came to church to get the word of God. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. But it hurt them so much because they were baby Christians that they actually will not step a foot in a church again. And they stay like that for years, folks. It takes an act of God to get them back in church. Come on, say amen, somebody. But Jesus addressed that issue directly. And he's referring to our relationship with others who have confessed him as Lord of their lives. He said in Matthew 18, 15. And I have a, whole, I have a challenge with people doing this. Matthew 18, 15. He says, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou gainest thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And he, if, if, if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Let me explain this. In other words, if there's something between you and another believer, if there's something between you and another believer, you make the first move. See what, see, when I say these, I only get about two or three amens. <laughs> you make the what? First move. 
Don't sit around waiting for them to apologize to you. Why? Because it doesn't make any difference who's right or who's wrong, folks. What matters is getting the problem solved so that the blessing can function freely on you and between you. Because what you're doing, you're protecting the blessing upon your life. Now, if you go to him or her and they won't listen to you because they have a root of bitterness and people do that. And they won't let you, let, and they, they just won't let it go. Some people just won't let things go. Then it says, take another brother in the Lord with you. In other words, do your best to make peace and put things right. Yes, amen, amen, amen. Now, in a case where that doesn't work, because sometimes it doesn't work because they're so stubborn. <laughs> then it says, take it to the church. Now, that doesn't mean. <laughs> that doesn't mean get up in front of the congregation and tell the whole miserable story to my pastor can I get the mic <laughs> no <laughs> tell your neighbor that's not what Jesus was talking about at all what he's saying is you bring the situation to the pastor or the leader assigned to help with this kind of thing. Come on, say amen. Somebody. Let them know, I need your assistance with this. Come on. I've done what the word says, and I still have this same issue. It has not gotten resolved. See, what people do, they don't want to go to them first and try to resolve it. They don't want to take another brother or sister first and try to resolve it. They want to come straight to me. Try to side over here. <laughs> they don't want to do their due diligence. They want to come straight to me. Pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. When the Bible states clearly what you're supposed to do. But you want to bypass your role. And want me to do your work. What happens? You bring it to the pastor. The pastor can then what? Let the brother in question know. That even though he is loved. Come on, say amen somebody. The church can't afford to sit by. And let the strife business interrupt the prayer agreement. And the blessing that comes on the body of unified believers. Come on, say amen, somebody. If the offended brother or sister still insists on being in strife, then the church must relate to them differently. But that doesn't mean they should be kicked out of church. Jesus didn't say get rid of them all together. Come on, say amen, somebody. He said, don't be in strife with him and get him out of your prayer life. Get the disagreement out of the way so it doesn't destroy the operation of the blessing. And that's what strife in the church does. Say it again. That's what strife in the church does. It hinders the corporate blessing. Let me say it again. Strife 
hinders the corporate blessing. If the devil can get us, just not just as individuals, but as a body, if he can get us to step off the love line and get into fighting with each other, he can get over on us. He can get us over into his territory. And he can, have a day, he can have a heyday with us, just as he does with the heathen, and he can get away with it. And what he can do, he can now drag sickness into our midst. He can now start siphoning off your finances. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. He can shut down our faith and contaminate the gifts of the Spirit to the point where if they are functioning at all, it would be such at a low level that they're totally ineffective. That's what he can do when he can get strife in the church. Oh, preaching good. And the problem is it never occurs to some believers that love has anything to do with the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit or the lack of them, folks. The New Testament is clear about the connection. Your love walk affects the gifts of the Spirit in operation. And we'll talk about that next time. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to the Lord and give God praise. So it's not about just you and that person, that individual. You're affecting the gifts of the Spirit operative in the church. And one day you're going to be held responsible for that. Father, we thank and we praise and we glorify you.